Happy 2023, everybody. This is Christopher Messina coming at you from the Messy Times studios on a glorious day in still free Florida. It's the 5th of January, 2023. This is the first episode of Series 4 of Messy Times. Who thought we would get here? And to kick the year off right, joined from London is my friend Craig Wright. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, very happy to uh, sort of kick this time off with you. <laughs> 2022 is the rearview mirror. Lessons learned? <laughs> uh, how crazy people are but i always knew that i'm just uh, getting to understand how much crazier the people are than i ever thought i mean um, look at all these things with ftx um, oh. I, uh, I remember now it's nine months ago now but i posted a thing after doing an econometric analysis of the exchanges and saying how i think i came up with 27 million bitcoin on sale around the exchanges and said there's a problem here guys and everyone um, shat on me, basically going, no, the exchanges are all solvent. Um, <laughs> and now you look and, oh, fractional reserve Bitcoin. And no, thank you. Just call me Cassandra. Fair enough. I'll just yep. tell you and you can. Of course, she got it wrong. She needed to be born when they had um, gambling. Yep. I mean, if you have perfect foresight like that, she should have just gone out and bought lotto tickets. Well, that's always the problem, right? And and Bachelier solved this for a lot of us to understand exactly how risky our lives should be. Uh, I did I did particularly like uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. That was a good part of 2022. To to me, the 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 idiocy of trusting your funds to a bunch of stone kids who post on Twitter about how much they love amphetamines, uh, you know, to, you know, buyer beware. <laughs> Quite frankly, that made no sense whatsoever. Um, that was a oh, highlight but, or a low light. But obviously, he's woke and he wears sandals. So, and Jesus wore sandals. So, therefore, <laughs> I mean, but, the logic is obviously give, sound. But Jesus didn't give $40 million to the Democrats in this election cycle. And That's because he didn't have any Democrats to give it to them. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have done the whole water and wine. And they, they would have been up there on the mount. And uh, Biden would have been with them. And he could have had everyone drunk. You're right. You're right. The loaves and the fishes would have been really different had there been a Democrat mm. uh, political action party to which he could give money. He would have <laughs> multiplied the shekels. And, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. So, mm. so aside from that chaos, um, I'm, 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 I'm firmly putting the last three years in the rearview mirror, even though it has been fodder for enormous amounts of fun on this show. Um, and my resolution for the coming year, I'm curious about yours, is I just really, really as hard as I can want to focus on spreading positive, useful stuff to people and trying not to get sidetracked by all the idiocy that surrounds me. What do you think? Do you think I have any chance of doing that? <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> Fair enough. And you? Is that is that uh, an approach you're willing to take? Um, I seek to keep trying to enlighten people as to the, um, uh, the various concepts of truth and evidence and all that stuff and um, I mean, I, I've studied philosophy at a master's uh, level, so I'm I'm totally screwed up. I mean, I, I do the, think that people will like put together a structured argument, and um, I mean, I had one the other day um, talking about Ripple, and um, I think we went through. Uh, I got 25 different logical fallacies that I got to point out with him. Um, sitting there going, fallacy, fallacy. Uh, oh, your personal incredulity doesn't matter. Um, burden of proof is on you because you're you're doing this. No, 2Q doesn't matter because by um, attacking me rather than engaging in criticism, you're blah, blah, blah. Appeal to emotion. Bandwagon effect. I mean, yes, lots of people use XRP for speculative trading. That doesn't mean that it's right. Loaded question. I mean, didn't quite go to the um, stage of when was the last time you beat your wife, but may as well have. Wow. Generic ad hominem, false that's a, cause. That's a tough dialogue. So, I know. <laughs> um, you sit there and go, um, can you give me an example? Oh, here's a marketing webpage. Uh, no, marketing isn't the same as evidence. Well, I know that someone... What was someone... the argument about? I'm curious. I mean, you, that, many, that many horrible fallacies, what, what was the uh, stoosh about? I, I, I've been challenging the ex- RP people about um, any real use oh. of Ripple products. Oh, fair like enough. they're sitting there all going, it's used by banks around the world. I'm going, where? I'm going, they go, oh, you can't see it because it's got an NDA. And my uh -huh. comment was, 
Ah, so Sarbanes-Oxley, 302, 402, 404, um, other provisions require um, all of these things are publicly announced. I yeah. mean, this is integrity of records, et cetera. So you can't say NDA, I'm not going to tell you. Um, on top of that, you've got the um, FDIC, other financial, the Fed requirements for what you do. Um, the links into um, SWIFT and, and FedNet and things like that need to be announced. Um, FedNet's rather anal on how you connect. Um, core banking platforms are um, um, incredibly difficult to integrate with. Um, I've tried it in the past. And so you sit there and you say, so where's the evidence? NDA. NDA. <laughs> and you said, I mean, but my comment is, I'm sorry, but you have to file this or the CEO of the bank goes to prison. So NDA. So what it eventually came down to, was this like someone with a financial interest in pushing XRP that's moaning at you about this? Or was it just... Oh, yeah. Um, David Swartz and his little team of um, trolls uh, who don't think... Oh, well, uh, see, see, the beauty of being kicked off Twitter is I don't have to put up with this anymore. <laughs> oh, I haven't been kicked off yet. <laughs> oh, I, have, I got kicked off twice. I got kicked off January 1st for... It was it was it was hilarious. I basically responded to someone making a dumb comment about Donald Trump. It changed two words, but sadly, one of the wor words was "woman," and therefore I was thrown off for attacking someone based on gender. Amazingly enough, someone at Twitter realized that was stupid and reversed it. But not thirty six hours later, <laughs> I made some kind of statistical question about gender dysphoria seems to be a lot more prevalent than it has been throughout human recorded history. Is it something in the water? Is it real? I mean, what are the reasons for that? Gender-based hatred thrown off, banned forever. So at least it saved me from being on Twitter. <laughs> crazy. Well, I, crazy. I, don't worry. I'm still kicked off LinkedIn because, um, uh, and they um, trace everything else. Like I've tried different university accounts and they yep. kicked me off those ones too. They don't want me back. <laughs> um, so their, their argument is um, uh, my hate speech and... Uh, things like this because I posted um, about people who weren't thinking and just buying and saying price goes up and I, I was questioning things like this and going well how can price go up forever um, because it will because it's valuable and doing what because it will keep going up and so I posted uh, like a sheep type photo and a few other things like this and of course I'm offending people with my sheep right how dare you see so you're being a sheepist and well, exactly. I, was, I was tossed off LinkedIn. I'm very proud about this because the, the I encountered something because I'm a big I'm a free speech absolutist, right? The more you let look, mm. the more you squelch speech you don't like, you just make people martyrs, right? So say mm. what you want. So I come, but but LinkedIn has a bunch of you know codes of how they want to maintain a polite thing. Fine, I come across this thing this this anti-jewish screed that came straight out of the protocols of the elders of zion like literally like all american jews like mm. like to drink palestinian kids blood crazy crazy <laughs> so i flag it the best part is the two-step is i get a response from linkedin in like 30 seconds like no that's fine that's all good that's probably true okay so i respond to the insanity banned for life because ready I was bullying the people telling the world that American Jews like to drink Palestinian kids' blood. Fascinating. And I, I sent a note up to Ryan Roslansky, who I'm not going to guess at his ethnicity, it might be mine, uh, at LinkedIn as the CEO and got no answer. Like they, they have, the people that moderate these platforms have lost their minds. I've got no idea what they do or how they expect to have anyone left <laughs> talking mm. to each other. <laughs> but aside from all that, Leaving those clowns aside, they've yet to to to, to censor me here. Mm. What's the biggest thing you're pushing this year? Like educationally wise, are you out kind of um, doing talks and stuff? Uh, so there's a few things. One, I'm starting a series of workshops. So every month we're going to start on one topic of Bitcoin starting later this month on privacy, where I have a couple of days to teach people the deep insides of all of this stuff and how it works and mm. how you can build something on it. Um, so that'll that'll um, hopefully have that's some. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So this is really um, is this heavily focused towards people who are experienced coders or like. Uh, there'll be a range of different areas. Tools. 
so also entrepreneurs, people who need to understand, researchers, um, uh, yeah, a wide range. Um, I don't want to just have coding. I'll let people have breakouts and do that side. Right. Uh, but the the main thing is we want to get Terranode out live, not in a workshop. Um, I've been pushing the concept of eat your own dog food now for um, in, in um, uh, Enchain, yep. like um, refusing to sign off on documents unless they're done uh, correctly or like on the blockchain, right. but, uh, which caused a big scramble uh, because um, like it got to a point where I, I kept saying, I want this inside. And I got, got a, um, um, a document to sign off on a project. And I said, well, when you can give it to me on uh, a Bitcoin blockchain app, uh, I'll sign it. And they went, but we don't have that ready yet. And I went, well, that's your problem. Go work on that but, then. Um, <laughs> when, when people want budget signed off, it's amazing how quickly things get done. And three days later, we had an app. <laughs> that's really cool. And so for those who are not familiar, what is Terranode? So Terranode is the um, amalgamation of all the ideas from 2012 on that I've been working on scaling Bitcoin oh. um, that was called iDemon in Australia, but now is... Has been named Terranode, and don't blame me for naming things. I, I mean, I'm involved with lots of ugly names, uh, but the yeah. concept here is um, to this year push on the public live network, not testnet, um, one million transactions a second, right, continuously, and um, we're going to change the focus and make people use things by not having this silly block cap idea, but um, by having a block minimum. Huh. And getting nodes to, um, um, if they can't fill it up, then give them away free. That's interesting. So, what's the current rate, you know, flow through now that that, that you're looking to oh. from to? Um, we are handling four gigabyte blocks periodically, uh, but not as frequently as I want because the price has been sort of everyone's been arguing you need to push the price up, which is. Capitalism is about pushing the price down. Down, not up. Exactly. The <laughs> not, scale by exactly. It cheaper. <laughs> it, it's the, the socialists who want the price up. Um, so they, I mean, too much of the Marxist stuff for people. And But anyway, so I had to put the foot down and, and get that one. And um, this will push us uh, in the, the order of 80, uh, sorry, 800 to um, 1,000 um, gigabytes um, at, at the end. So many, many, 20 to 25 times. And by having that going, that's going to then, that sort of, I guess, for want of a better phrase, transactional liquidity is going to increase the likelihood mm -hmm. of, of more apps and more things being built. Yeah, just to, to um, especially, yeah. especially with free transactions to start and even afterwards, um, a thousandth of a cent. So people will be able to go out there and try building something and not need to worry about, well, if I have to pay this much to send the transactions and like with Ethereum and gas fees. Right. Yeah. So, And is there any cure? I, I think we, we've touched on this before briefly, but there really, the, given the current structure of, say, Ethereum, there really is no cure for those gas fees that way, right? I mean, the, the, the way it's built. No, I, fixed. I always tried to tell them this. It's all about economics. Um, but... I mean, you get a bunch of sort of woke socialists and try and tell them economics matter. And they go, no, we need it all to be equal. <laughs> and I mean, my, my little catchphrase is there's one type of equality in the world. Mm. Equally poor. Equally poor. And that's yeah. interesting. So, you know, for, the, for those who, do, who, who are, what I love to do here on the show is like try to give a grip to people who are like intelligent and generally interested, but don't really know how it works. Right. So mm. functionally, how does that sort of quasi-Marxist bent translate into more expensive gas fees? Like what 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 actually happens that they could fix that they don't fix that makes it so expensive? Well, the problem with um, trying to make all the nodes equal and allow everyone to play equally is that you limit everything to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So if you're now expecting people in like on a home computer in deepest, darkest Nigeria, New Jersey, maybe West Virginia, um, <laughs> go really Central deep Florida, <laughs> whatever. 
Oh, yeah, away from the coast, out out in the swampy area with the nice large trees. Amen. Yeah. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. When you get out, yeah, when you get to that sort of territory, then then uh, we're talking about sort of this 1980s type PC running um, DOS 3.1, uh, and uh, it just doesn't handle it. I'm sorry. Hmm. Uh, so limiting everything to to get this lowest common denominator just means you limit things. Now it's the the Marxist idea that everyone needs to be their own producer, and I mean, if you read some of uh, Marx's uh, BS, you'll see that he said the ideal society is where we all have our own um, log cabin that we all built ourselves, and we all uh, have our wife or wives in his case, you know, if he had his way, um, sitting there spinning wool for him, making his clothing as he goes out there. Um, uh, catching fish and being the the wonderful hunter in the morning, and then uh, which given how Mark really lived his life, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, um, one of the one of the little bits that um, I like to point out was that he used to drink Krug champagne, and he did that even while he didn't have enough money to feed his children, and two of his children starved to death. Mm. But he didn't go off the champagne. Well, he was too busy changing about the that. world, you see. Yeah, well, now, he needed his champagne and his Cuban cigars because if he didn't have those, well, maybe he couldn't change the world properly. Madness. I never heard that about his children. That's crazy. Really? What, what, mm. Were they like back home in Germany when he was living up in London? Like No, um, they were over there too. Um, and um, one of them, uh, like his... Um, Maid um, was actually knocked up by Mr. Marx there. Um, Engels said to everyone that he was the father for a while, but it turned out after Marx died that actually it was also Marx. <sighs> Frederick yeah. didn't even get the fun of knocking up the maid. I tell you, he got the I know, stick all the way, all the way around. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, so uh, friend Engels, how about you give me some more money? Oh, I know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Engels' dad? Because that's where all the cash came from. He was like a textile hmm. industrialist or something, right? And oh, one of the richest dad. in England, hugely, massively rich. Yeah. I mean, and that—that's the irony. Um, Engels made the argument that he needs to make sure that his workers, after his father died and he took over, maintain poverty, because otherwise the revolution won't happen. So <laughs> he's so he's kind of actively salting the mine of proletarian revolution. So impoverishing his employees. I'm I'm one of the most exploitative <laughs> bosses great. because I've got to make sure it's not about my wealth. No, it's about no. It's, no. it's I'm teaching these people to understand their exploitation by exploiting them. I can choose not <laughs> to, but then that but, then they wouldn't develop class consciousness. So they want no, to no, no, no. Magic. Not. magic. Well, you know, in some ways, he's a purist. He lived what he preached. <laughs> he said the, the employers are evil, soul sucking, blood sucking bastards, and he was right. <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> need to live up to my role as an evil proletariat. That's. I'm, I'm actually. I'm actually slightly more impressed by Frederick now. That's really, really, really good. Huh. Mm. Oh, interesting. So. Well, that. I mean, I'll just interrupt and say, I mean, the the best counter is probably Virginia Woolf. Um, and Virginia Woolf said um, um, there are three classes of people. There are the rich, the poor, and the proletariat. And I love the poor people. She said this because basically they're the people who keep her um, sort of alive. They they grow the food, they right. repair her, her things, and, and, um, and, and they don't try and um, understand culture that they don't understand. And then, then she said, well, us wealthy people, we, we create culture. And then she said, the and thing I hate is, all, is. These, uh, all these all these proletariats, because they believe they, they understand culture and they, they go and pretend, but they never get enough time to do anything because they're too busy working and, and scrabbling to get money. So oh. they're horrible people because they, they don't, they're, they're neither of the other two. Yeah, that's fabulous. That you gotta love the Bloomsbury Group, don't you? Oh, so obnoxious! One of my favorite lines <laughs> was from Simone de Beauvoir, who said, "There are two types of people in the world: men 
and uh, no, they're people and women. And when women start trying to act like people, they're accused of wanting to be men. It's one of the best lines ever. <laughs> anyway, pass Simone. So uh, that's interesting. We're actually um uh this February actually giving a talk in the city of London about uh using kind of an NFT structure to to just package up some hard assets out of out of a mining business. So you know, I'm, what I'm most curious about is I've always been very focused on what are the practical applications of any emerging technology? Like, what is it actually good for, right? A lot of the foo-foo stuff I don't really care about. Um, you know, is that, are, are those sort of extensions to what you guys are looking to do, is that, is that in line with with kind of heavy industry looking to put stuff into asset back structures on the blockchain? Oh, definitely. Um, th this is an area I've been putting a lot of effort into. I mean, not only logistics and EDI, um, but capturing the whole uh, commoditization of goods and services end-to-end. -end. Um, quite a number of years ago now here in England, we uh, killed off all the cattle because uh, one farm had mad cow disease and we, we didn't know where it came from. Oh. So what do you do? You killed everything. And that lying um, maniac at Imperial College will later settle us with the Wuhan hysteria wrote a paper about that. He should be pilloried. Anyway... <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so being able to actually link all of this stuff and and prove assets yeah, would simplify everything in the world. Um, I remember I was working back in uh, mid nineties with Mahindra Group, um, and I'd been contracted um, uh, basically for information security work, and ended up doing a whole lot of other things. Um, as they realized what I could sort of, I had knowledge across different areas. And at one stage I was involved with um, like auditing and analyzing um, some logistic processes because they also own shipping companies. And um, the, one of the strangest things I remember is um, like the whole idea of like shipping bills of lading and everything like this need to be signed off. And um, they don't, They've only recently, in the last decade, really fully gone into dematerializing stocks and everything like that in India. So yeah. this is totally paper. And the ship came into Mumbai, and this guy had to actually run into the center of town to get a stamp on the document. <laughs> and, I mean, I, nice. I, my sort of reaction is similar to yours. I'm going, why would you have a guy run into town? And I don't know if you've been to Mumbai, but have you seen the traffic? Yeah, yeah exactly. Better to run than it, to take a bike. <laughs> it actually, during the day, it actually worked out, talked out quicker to have this runner That's take correct. the piece of paper and drop it off, get the stamp and come back. And of course, one of the problems, uh, like the wrong thing got stamped and um, the inspector wouldn't let the ship out and Shipping is horrendously expensive. Every hour that you're wasting uh, is costs a lot of money. Yep. Uh, and to be able to do things like um, having uh, electronic documentation signed uh, as you're coming into port, um, the inspection done, uh, digitally signed, much easier. Oh, yeah. And much no one loses the piece of paper either. Uh, so that would speed up shipping um, I mean, I could probably estimate maybe 15 to 20% uh, savings and efficiency gains in global shipping. And um, if you understand what that means for the amount of goods and services around the world, it's incredibly more efficient. And that actually strikes me as one example where often when you look at anything that involves increasing efficiency, someone's rent-seeking sacred ox is getting gored, right? There's someone who's going to lose... By mm. others winning, but this strikes me as as being something that no one's particularly losing, right? You can still pay the runner, you can just make tea, right? But yeah. his process, like he didn't make a fortune running to and from town, he probably made nothing. So that that sort of, I, I guess, fat in the system is the low hanging fruit where these applications matter the most because no one's particularly mm. losing money by it, right? Mm. They're just, I'm going to sign this thing anyway. I'll do it now instead of in three hours. But it's even in commodities. I mean, if you look at, um, uh, at people know gold, but there are a lot of interesting areas to invest in. 
Um, the one I would actually look at would be things like rare earth minerals. Have I but got good news for you? <laughs> yeah, um, but exactly. yeah, it's an interesting area. If you can open up that market, um, it, it's a good investment. Yep. But the difficulty right now is it's a very closed and restricted market. So it's insane. It's it's you know we call it trade by trade by appointment. There is no centralized exchange. There's no way for you to express an opinion. That's you know as you know as part of what we're doing with my rare earth mine is being hmm. giving that access to people finally. Um, and it is one of the best solutions because, once again, in theory, some people are going to be irritated that we're going to bring a little more transparency to these prices, these markets, but not really. No one's actually losing anything. Um, maybe some vendors are losing a bit of an edge with their industrial Well, but not really. No, there, you'd probably find a little less corruption. Yes. <laughs> if oh. you had to record all this stuff. I mean, yep. um, right now... Um, any U.S. company dealing with anyone um, where there is known corruption, well, that's a problem. So if you have all of this recorded, yep. uh, a whole lot of U.S. companies are going to be, oh, I can't deal with you now. I, I have to actually report this. And then it makes the system work better. I, we encountered that, right? Because it's hmm. funny, we're dealing, you know, I'm dealing with a mining company that's not American itself. But the corporate structure is, and as an mm. American citizen, you know, I've tried to explain to someone like, buddy, I understand what you're asking for. And believe me, I'd be more than happy to take 50 bucks out of my pocket and hand it to you. But I'm not going to because that would make me a felon under U.S. law. I'm not doing that. Right. So yeah. it's, it's you know, it's, and I remember because he looked at me strangely and said, but like, let me get this right. You can like take a potential client out and spend five thousand dollars on a dinner in the city of London with Dom Perignon mm -hmm. and dancing girls. Right. But you can't just give me 50 bucks to give you this piece of paper. I was like, no, I can't. It's like, he's trying to wrap his brain around it. It's like, I don't get it. So if I own a nightclub and I host you to entertain customers, that's fine. But if I'm a lowly servant, civil servant, and I want to <laughs> buy my kids new shoes, you can't help me with that. I was like, you got it. Ah, and there's a certain logic to it. You don't want to encourage corruption because it eventually just becomes a deadweight mm -hmm. loss. That all makes sense. But in the in the moment, you get these very weird conversations. Like I just don't get it. <laughs> but that's 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 the nature of dealing internationally. Someone just did a great thing about um, the complete lie that there's any way of getting cobalt out of the Congo that does not involve child slave labor. Like period. Guy's really brave. He took a camera down in the mines like balls on this guy because the Chinese don't like you doing that. Um, so so in those instances, I guess you just force it into this paradigm. Like if I'm not, I refuse to buy from you unless it comes in this form with this audit trail. Maybe that's the only thing that finally forces some of this stuff to clean up. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, part of the problem is you don't actually know where some of these things are. It's just fungible and and that's the argument yep. um, but look at conflict diamonds um, you change the traceability of all that uh, material and it makes things um, much more difficult for the uh, nefarious actors and of course the nefarious guys are going to be sitting there going it's not fair right i look i've worked hard just to learn how to steal this is the system i understand <laughs> here's a question that i think will actually be very helpful for those who do have some understanding like so you know, there was a scandal a few years ago. Imagine this. It was in China where basically um, someone that was running a commodities, a metals warehouse, someone decided to start faking warehouse receipts. Right. So warehouse hmm. receipts used to be and in most parts of the world are still a fairly secure security. Right. If, if the hmm. warehouse is signed on it and the manager signed on it and the seller and buyer signed on it you're pretty sure those 50 nickel ingots are sitting on, you know, shelf number 48. Mm. Um, but they managed to so thoroughly corrupt the system that, you know, if you can get any number of people to lie, is there, is there, is that particular example a good one where it really is much harder to get people to lie in concert if you're doing it on an audited blockchain? Well, see, I wouldn't even have that. I'd have it publicly visible. Now, an example would be um, have all of the um, um, sort of materials known, validatable, um, have images, have um, time-stamped, hashed images, 
um, have secure operating systems on the um, sort of um, IoT devices and um, have it so that the right people can validate it at any time. Yeah. Now, um, and then say, uh, for instance, if there's 48 warehouse shelves, um, have it provable that you're in this shelf, you can view this shelf, you can guarantee that it's holding what it's meant to do. Um, now, funny thing is, um, this is some of the process I set up back with what's now Staples. Uh, back in 93, 94, I, I was working with a company that became a company that, that became, so uh, working with a company called WPA that became Corporate Express that became Staples. I don't know if they've changed again, but um, branding, it's not the same as it used to be. No. Um, but um, what, what was set up was monitoring systems so that you knew what was in all the warehouse um, areas and there were random audits and all this, because then you had no one could um, sort of steal from the warehouse because um, all their movements were monitored and if something went missing you'd know the people who were there um, yeah. not everyone liked it i mean I, I don't think unions liked it because well it's not fair that people can't steal i don't know hey. whatever stupid excuse they give i mean for not having a kickback um but um yeah it worked very well um oh. Uh, that also taught me the value of equity um, because um, John Robinson and um, uh, Steve and uh, the, the guys who um, founded WPA that sold out into the American Corporate Express Group and sold my software, made tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars, um, and I, I got a promotion. Hey, hey mazel tov. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it taught me, like, I mean, I built all this software yep. and um, I watched them, I mean, super happy for them. Um, I'm, I'm not bitter at all. I mean, like, you can say that I'm bitter the way I'm saying that. I'm really not. I mean, it taught me a really super valuable lesson about equity in that. Yep. Um, and um, uh, shortly after that, I started um making sure I, I had equity ownership in, in the companies I was involved with. So that, ma that makes sense. I, I do remember a couple of friends of mine in New York for years had a very good, they're really good coders. They had a very excellent kind of contract business, right? They'd come and they'd mm -hmm. build a solution for you. And, and I remember their, their flip side to that was you got to be really careful because if, you, if someone asks you to build something, the, the, you begin to see that you begin to see that as a solution to problems everywhere, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And part of the art of this is how much effort do you expend in trying to sell customer number two on this thing customer number one brought to you? And in fact, how much of it can you use? How much do they you know, do they demand that it's work made mm. for hire? All the usual arguments of software. Um is is fascinating to watch, and they they kind of had, after a year four or five, they were at this for like 20 years. They came out of college and then did this. Um, after year four or five, they just said, for simplicity's sake, we just charge a lot of money to build our, our, our systems. People like what we do. And we put a clause in, like, if they resell it, then we get a percentage. And like, and they just solved it that way. And it turned out like maybe one out of 50 things they built, <laughs> the, the, the buying company went and sold on to someone else. And in those rare instances, they got a royalty check. But it was fascinating because I remember listening to them debate, like, how much effort do I put into this? Do I kind of try to capture my rights? Do I argue about that? And, uh, well, you came to the right conclusion that, mm. you know, if you're going to build it, you should own it and license it out. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's harder. And yeah. um, when you fail, you fail harder. But that's all learning experience, too. That's true. So what are the other, so is there a, a kind of, for this to go back to it, is this sort of a, core set of topics you're going out and 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 um kind of speaking to audiences about is it all kind of based like a buy sponsored by n chain for x or is it really um, I'm talking about topics? so n chain is going to be um running it all um and um uh, i'm going to move between the main areas like we've got our london um, switzerland and slovenia offices and i'll cycle between those hmm. um I'll, I mean, 
whether I get to the US or something like this, we'll have to see over time. Um, but um, uh, the concept will be to go into a deep dive, um, explain some of the patents, white papers and other things we've been doing, um, teach people how they can build better applications, um, give entrepreneurial ideas about the types of things you can build, Hmm. Um, and then show how evil and manipulating I am by letting people do it for free. You um, I know. <laughs> I know. How terrible. I'm, I'm defrauding you by, by saying it can be free. I, that, I remember one of the greatest moments. Again, there was a bunch of reasons why this later turned out to be a lie. But at the time, it was like 15 years ago, and Congress was losing their minds about software companies that have monopolistic presence on your desktop. So Microsoft goes mm -hmm. the first one, um, but then they came to Google and they were yelling, it's still, still Google back then, and they were yelling it, and the Schmidt, who was the president, the CEO of the president at the time, was called before Congress, and they were bitching at him about monopolistic predatory behavior. And he said, I just want to get this really clear. We're giving away our operating system for free to encourage people to you to use the system and and build an ecosystem mm. out of it. So I, I'm not quite sure what you want me to do to not do I do I do I have to down you're telling me I have to charge people for something I'm willing to give away for free. Like what's your solution to this? People want to use our OS to build things. I don't quite know what you want from me. But of course they wanted nothing. They wanted some political theater they could use for the next election campaign. But it was a great moment because one of the few times I've ever seen Congress just silent. Like they had nothing to say to him. <laughs> like I'm giving it away. <laughs> well, maybe you should pay them to use it. Maybe you should, exactly. Maybe you should pay them to use it. Maybe that'd be better. But uh, it was it was a good moment. It was a very good moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. you're you're obviously still making money from advertising. How about you give that money back? Because right. that would be really nice. It'd be really nice of you. Exactly. Everyone just had things for free. You know, of course, they screwed the pooch. They started out with what was it? You know, don't be evil, and then they colluded with the Chinese communists. So they well, no, they, they moved into don't be quite so evil. <laughs> don't be, don't be evil in every jurisdiction unless it's really profitable. <laughs> yeah, in which case, and then they realized evil. that the Chinese were just ripping off everything that they they did anyway, and Baidu and all the rest just happened. Um, That's true. Yeah, That's true. Um, huh. So. Any, 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 let's switch gears. Any sort of big theme predictions 2023? What do you think? What are the major things? Oh, I think it's going to be. War in Ukraine <laughs> oh, not anytime soon. I don't see it's in Putin's interest to, to end it. Um, I mean, he, it's not really impacting him as negatively as people in the West make out. Oh, um, no. he, he's, he's fine. He's happy. Um, so no, um, I do see the whole crypto mantra starting to crumble. Mm. Um, the funding be for the trolls and and other things pumping all this is going to go away. Um, Tether's going to face a major sort of milestone and probably a brick wall. Um, a few of the others. Um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, except it's probably a train. Yep. <laughs> A very big train, uh, very fast. A very big train, yeah. So Barry Shilbert, um, sorry, shouldn't call him Shilbert, uh, Silbert, um, he's going to start having to realize that now that everything's dropped um, and he's not actually technically a billionaire and um, he won't be able to keep paying for all the um, uh, FUD that he puts out. Um, right. This is how I don't have a clue who this person is. Who is he? Oh, digital currency group. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. right, right. Yeah, okay. So yeah, get, yeah. As the price of the crypto, the quote unquote mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies, which are neither cryptographic nor currencies, I think someone pointed out to me a while ago. Uh, yeah, fair enough. So as that sort of here's my here's my thought on, on a lot of that. Is it is it analogous at all to? The dot com mania of 99, 90, 98, 99, 2000, yeah. the clicks to eyeballs, all that crap. You mean where companies like, I mean, uh, petfood.com uh, was valued at more than Amazon, um, nice. even though they didn't actually have a website? Um, but they're going and, to. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. 
like one coin. Right. <laughs> when like, we launch, we'll be super big. Um, and, yeah. And I remember, I mean, I had a lot of people um, sort of shit on me for the wrong ideas because I, I had a reverse um, sort of IPO scenario where we had a company I founded um, list and um, everyone told me how wrong I was doing it because I had these outdated ideas like profitability. You crazy man. I mean, I actually had this idea that <laughs> I know how terrible. That's not how software works. No. And um, I, I get told that again now, by the way. But I remember ah. when the dot-com crash happened and all these other companies that were telling me that disappeared overnight. Oh, yeah. And I was still there. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. I, I remember because I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I was born uh as as an antique but remember i was out in the valley for the first time in 98 99 and i would hear these pitches and someone would tell me what they quote unquote do for a living right over bar talk in palo alto or whatever mm. and i i managed i managed amazingly enough after the third or fourth conversation just nod and move on but mm. i'm like i'm sorry, I'm sorry how do you make money at that i, I don't understand it and they look at me like i'm the idiot in the room like oh, you don't get it it's like, no i don't i'm sorry who pays you for this wonderful thing you do? And what's the motivation for them paying you? I'm, I'm still not getting it. But you know, I'm a you life know. guru. Exactly, yeah. a life guru. What does <laughs> herbal tea? Yeah, I mean, what does a life guru do? I, I help you have a better life. Oh, God. Can you imagine? If I could keep a straight face, I'd go into that business all day long. I just I don't <laughs> think I can keep it up. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. Um, so, uh, so, maybe so, I'll, um, I'll, I'll get... Um, some of the Gwyneth Paltrow stuff and help you steam your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope that is the first and last time that that concept was ever aired on this show. So uh, just uh, the, the vision is horrible. Mm. Um, but I guess here, here's, here's, here's my kind of final thought or question, I guess, is, um, and this is of course tied into very much the kind of stuff that I want to do and getting critical minerals accessible on NFTs and that kind of thing. Um, is it is it is it is a year is a year enough kind of fast enough time sorry to move from sort of the goofy misapplications of things that made no sense like pictures of drunk monkeys to rational adults putting forth real solutions and the market not having that conceptually tainted by the stupid stuff right that's part of the conversation we have repeatedly out in the market is like well I'm not investing in NFTs. So I'm not selling you a picture of a monkey on a yacht. I'm selling you a chunk of cobalt, right? Like it's tied to something real that has nothing to do with a picture of a monkey. Well, you think that's enough time to kind of separate that out in people's minds? Yeah, I do. Um, as long as you have the process in place. The big thing is going to be getting um, sort of audits, um, proof of what you're doing, um, and trust in place. And, and people go, oh, but Bitcoin solves trust. Well, now, Bitcoin doesn't solve trust. It solves trusted third parties. That right. isn't all intermediaries. It doesn't mean that that guy in um, Central Africa is actually giving you cobalt or isn't doing the same sort of thing or isn't salting the mines or dot, dot, dot. Right. Isn't um, taking the bag of col coltan from the nine-year-old and then walking yeah. to the front door saying, I did this. Amazingly, if you look lovely. You wear tailored suits, so you're not covered in mud. You were mining, yes, just earlier. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's very, I mean, it's it's very dapper work when you're out there mining. You've got to look good. Gotta look good. Got to look well, good. Exactly. You never know. GQ can come and start photographing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you might be on the cover of GQ. Miner of the year. Miner of the uh, one can only hope. Exactly. Holding <laughs> your very, very clean water water cannon by which you're blasting away at the earth. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. That's gonna work. That's interesting. So it's still it's there's still, of course, is always a human mediated process, but done correctly, this will enable those applications to develop. People can trust. So them. I mean, like people talk about um, uh, proving ownership of um, exchange assets that, that's a easy low picking fruit sure. uh, picture. now an example would be well how do you know that it's not used across multiple exchanges right well here's the thing if you have something like coinbase actually written in there and you can put information in 
script, then um, one like Bitfinex can't come along and go, well, that's mine. Mm. Well, Bitfinex, why did you put Coinbase in your script? Uh, because we thought it looked cool. Right. I mean, I mean, that's well, that's well-trodden territory, right? So for US listed yeah. equities, you're listed on the New York Stock Exchange, say, but you can trade on any one of 36 platforms. Mm. And once that happens, there's metadata tagged in there to say, you can't yeah. double hypothecate these thousand shares because they were just sold on LiquidNet. You can't then sell them on NASDAQ. And so yeah, that's, exactly. that's, not, that's not complicated. No, and when you move them from one to the other, you change the metadata. Yeah, And at any time, you can do an audit like that and say, this is what they hold. Yeah. Well, I was amazed. Well, I, even even uh, just a few years ago, I was, I was helping someone, one of the exchanges kind of work on an issue relating to risk management with an esoteric mm -hmm. part of trading. doesn't matter what. I'm not going to violate the NDA. But um, I was still amazed at how much back office processes are still done manually. Like it hurts my brain. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. And there's some value in slowing things down. So, cause you know, fraudsters love speed. If you can put in hmm. some code and drain $40 billion out of five banks, that's really bad. So there is some benefit to slowing things hmm. down. Um, in fact, that came up during the hearings when before everyone knew, before, well, before Congress knew SBF was a lying scumbag. Hmm. Um, he was called to give testimony for Congress, the House Ag Committee, because he was putting forward this rather hubristic idea that people like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group, who've been doing this for 150 years, should adopt his brand new gene, super genius idea for a clearing and settlement system. And one of the best parts I love about that is Terry Duffy, who's a plain smoking guy, plain spoken guy, chairman of CME, mm. right, knows what he's talking about. He, in that in that interaction that was caught on film. Basically, he listened to Sam for like five minutes, looked at him and said, you're a fucking fraud. <laughs> just straight out, like nothing you just said makes any sense at all. When and I was working at the Australian Stock Exchange, um, I did like, audit work and, and um, code work with a lot of the areas, including chess. And um, uh, because of the security issues of the code and things like that, yeah. uh, you, you can't, I mean, like, this whole nature of we can automate it. Well, no, you can't. You don't the clearing want isn't, But the clearing isn't just, is the money there? And you have to check whether it's valid, whether the names are right, whether the AML process has happened. Yep. And you can automate some of that. You can link in AML and you can validate um, all of this. But it's not just saying that it's a digital asset. You need to have the identity checking um, and identity is the big one for all of this to make sure that you've done it correctly. Have the correct people in the company signed off. Um, it's not just that the company has sold their shares, but if there is a board structure that you know of, has it actually gone through the process of allowing this or is there a rogue director? Mm, right. And sitting there going, oh, but it's okay because it's digitally signed. Yeah. By whom? Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Huh. All right. Uh, well, we can go on for ages, but I, I'm respectful of your time. What, what is there a big thing I missed? Is there something that you, the people desperately need to hear that they're not heard <laughs> yet? <laughs> um, well, that's, a high bar, I mean, that's a high bar. I know. So that's a high yeah. Bar. I mean, I, I guess the other thing is I'm um, going back to doing my philosophy classes. They'll be starting um, in a couple of weeks. Um, so they, they stopped with my sort of crazy travel that was happening in the last six months but um i've managed to flub that off to um other people um Brilliant. yeah gotta love corporate structures and and having people um uh, work under you yeah this is my favorite um, word all right here's a question <laughs> all right if you had to choose a system by which you had to live your life would you go with kant or wittgenstein well definitely not kant wow really why fascinating the simplicity of the a priori decision you don't doubt yourself you act on first principles you never try to play chess with reality really none of that resonates no 
Okay. I'm, I'm an Aspie. I'm on twist. Uh, you know, I, I pull everything apart. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so the so the rank simplicity of Kant's approach drives drives you nuts. Makes you itch. <laughs> well, I just don't trust it. I mean, it, yeah. Um, it goes back into a certain Proustian thing on time, and obviously um, his little walks around the um, the village were. Too much of Proust. Interesting. All right. So the the licking, basically the licking the earth critique. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, I mean, are we talking early or late Wittgenstein? I'm talking late. I'm talking the 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 uh, the, the enumerated notebooks onward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'd probably prefer earlier, but if I don't get a choice i'll still stick with that against Kant. Kant makes me too that's really good wow all right see that's a good answer so so you choose wittgenstein perfect perfect we we, we will close with that thanks a lot for your time <laughs> good to see you again no problem and uh, everybody have a great uh, 2023 and for those listeners who are devoted as you should be remember more than ever turn off the mainstream media who are lying to you and tune into messy times Ciao. They're not lying. No, that's, that's ah, wrong. You, so, you killed my clothes, but go ahead. We have an epilogue. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to Frankfurt. Um, you know Frankfurt on bullshit? What? No, no, no. What? What? I mean, you've got true. I mean, you've got lies and truth, yep. and you've got bullshit in the middle. Yep. So bullshit is just we don't even care whether it's true or not. I'm just going to say it. It might be true. It might be a lie. I don't care. I don't care. It gets hits. The viewers love it. They love it. All right, fair enough. So, so in in my adjuration, they are lying to you, but but they're not doing it out of intent. It's well, just, they're not it's lying not... to you. They're bullshitting you. It might be true. It uh, might not be true. It we might don't care. We just pull it out of my ass and. <laughs> That's like the scene. That's like the scene in Men in Black where they go to look at like the, the news of the world and the Inquirer, and he says occasionally the New York Times gets something right, but usually not. <laughs> all right exactly. i get that all right so tune into messy times whether they align to you deliberately or not or bullshitting you doesn't matter this is still better for your mental health <laughs> later on they're definitely bullshitting you though <laughs> ciao learn what bitcoin is how it works and why it matters bitcoin 101 your ultimate guide to the fundamentals of blockchain